This is FBG Jen. And FBG Kristen. And I'm FBG Margot, host and producer. You're listening to the podcast that will help you keep a lid on the junk in the trunk and inspire you to live a happy and confident life. Each episode, we chat with motivational experts and celebs and share our own candid adventures in being healthy. If you're looking for a podcast that's equal parts hilarious and enlightening, well then welcome to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. Welcome back to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. This is FBG Margot, and on the line today, we have FBG Jen. Hello. And we have FBG Kristen. Yo, yo. So, Kristen, uh, we have your good friend on the show today. Her name is Susan Lakey. Can you give us, our audience, like a little bit of background on your relationship with Susan, how you guys became friends, and what her deal is? Because she's so awesome. She is. So, it was really cool. This was the first podcast interview that we did where the guest was actually in person with any of us. Susan was visiting me. She lives in Salt Lake City. So she took a red eye in, grabbed breakfast, came back, and then basically recorded a a podcast with you guys, which was really fun and a little bit different. But she is someone who, Jen, we were trying to figure this out. And I believe that I figured, I, I believe I came to a decision that I met Susan on Twitter, just because we were both like triathletes and occasional asshats. And, um, you know, we she's funny, and she's tough. And so we were kind of reading each other's stuff and became like, Twitter friends. And she reached out to me about something regarding actually her friend, Carlos, because he had been diagnosed with cancer which is going to come back around. So we'll get back to that. And we were we were talking about doing something with her with FBG. Fast forward, she ends up writing for us for a while. She also is the one who convinced me to do my first long course try out in Arizona with her. She lived in Phoenix at the time. That all yeah, came from it Twitter? All came from, really? Yeah. Wow. I am pretty sure. Cause she, I thought you like met her in an event or something, but man, I must have just assumed that. That's incredible. No. Yeah. So the first time I met her was literally I pulled up to her house and, you know, it was like, hi. And so the other thing that's interesting about the fact that like we met on Twitter and we were, you know, internet friends for, for years is that, so Susan is deaf with her, with her hearing aids and she, she can hear some noise, but she reads lips and she is deaf. And so when you guys are listening to this interview, you will notice like she's got She's got a deaf accent, basically. And that was part of why we planned this podcast to do it in person-ish. And we had Jen and Margot on video. We normally don't do it on, on video because that way she was able to, to do this in real time. And she's, <laughs> I'm kind of going in circles here. But the reason also that we did the interview at this time is that she wrote a book, guys. And it's amazing. And it's, really it's called book. Life's Too Short to Go So Fucking Slow. And Spoiler, there are F-bombs in this interview. There's a lot of yeah, say. In this interview. You might want to listen with <laughs> Sorry, your earphones. The a little one. Yes. <laughs> Earmuffs. Yeah. So in this book is about, you know, the aforementioned Carlos and how how he, he inspired her to truly change her life and then um, the impact that his illness had on her and, you know, what that, what life was like going through that. And it's like, I mean, it's, it's funny and it's touching and it's inspiring and it's like intense throw out an emotion and it's probably you probably will feel it at some point reading this but um but anyway she's done a bunch of podcasts to help promote this but this was the first time and you guys didn't know this at the time but this was the first one that she did like 
in real time with the people interviewing her. Previously, the the questions had been sent to her publisher who would have her come in. She They would read them in person and record that, send all of that over to the podcast host who would then record their questions separately and edit it together. So this was kind of a, a cool, interesting new thing for everybody. Yeah. Well, I'm happy that she um, was game to try it, you know, like, hey, She's yeah, to try everything. She, she totally is. She did some naked running by the that, time yeah, we're recording this episode. Yes. Yeah. yeah she was, she's writing she another did. book. She was in Florida because she's working on her second book. Yeah, that involved that involved some naked running. So, but you're going to have to listen to the interview to get more details on that. And then, I mean, honestly, you're going to have to buy the book when it comes yeah. out. She's so warm and and friendly and wonderful. She was just totally like one of us. I I felt I just immediately I I felt so much affection for her right away. Just talking to her, she was so great, and I loved this interview. And the irony about this is, I was editing this interview the other day, and I had a laugh because we have our first deaf guest. And the three of us are very noisy in this episode. We both dogs were barking. And a couple of times I thought I was coughing off mic. I didn't. I'm sorry now. Um, so it's just like we're just sort of freewheeling it. I think maybe because it was on video and I'm so used to just the just the audio only with Skype. But it was a great interview. And thank you so much for suggesting her, Kristen. I, I, I loved having her on the show. And yes, you guys, there's a lot of cursing in this episode. You know, not like Sopranos level, but you know. A decent amount, I think, but all it's in, funny all and in good. For, though. Yes, you know. yes, yeah. it's just colorful, very yeah. colorful. So we're going to get into this interview, and please, if you like what you hear on the show, subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you leave a five star review on Apple iTunes in the Apple, please, we will read that on the air. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email us. It's podcast at fitbottomgirls dot com. And here is our interview with Susan Lakey. Susan Lakey believes in the transformative power of stories, whether you're searching for inspiration, information, jubilation, or the occasional kick in the ass, Susan Lakey has a story for you. Her work has appeared in several regional and national publications, including Competitor, Triathlete, Women's Running, Success, and Salt Lake Magazines. Her first book, Life's Too Short to Go So Fucking Slow, is available in bookstores, online, and at specialty running and triathlon shops. Welcome to the show, Susan. Hello, Susan. First up, let's address your book and what I'd assume is the controversial title. Um, we'll get into the details on the book shortly, but to start, can you give us an overview on how it came to be and the title? Is that a slam on runners and triathletes who bring up the back of the pack? So the book came to be when uh, my best friend, Carlos, passed away of cancer a couple of years ago. Uh, as part of my grieving process, I wrote down all of the lessons that he taught me in 10 years of friendship. Carlos was someone who started out as my boss and then eventually became my mentor and my coach. And he helped me go from an overweight, out of shape smoker to an Ironman triathlete. And so when I was writing down all of these lessons that he taught me, uh, one of the most uh, profound days that we had uh, was the last time we ever rode bikes together. He was very sick with stage four cancer, but he had one very good day in the middle of all of it. Mm -hmm. And during that very good day, we decided that we were going to go ride bikes together. And even though he was really sick, he uh, surged ahead and he kept dropping me. He was faster than me. 
and he was trying to be nice about it. He was trying to be supportive, but at some point he lost his patience and he said life too short to go so fucking slow. <laughs> and he sped ahead and he rode to the top of the mountain. Um, so, so when I was writing this book, it was very obvious to me what I would call that book. It's uh, probably one of the last times that we really belly lapped together was when he said those words. Um, it's not a knock on slow people. I am a slow person, so I, I can't necessarily make fun of myself that way. Um, but the other part of it that has been controversial is um, there's an F-bomb in the book. And because of that, there have been uh, some unique challenges with promoting the book. Mm -hmm. We've had, um, you know, a few uh, out that say that they won't sell the book because of the F-bomb. Uh, on Facebook, we can't uh, have ads that promote the book because mm -hmm. the word fucking is in the title. It's too hard for Facebook. Um, <laughs> but it's still been really cool because despite all of that, there's been this great word of mouth publicity with people who have read the book, who love the book, and they're telling their friends. So in the end, it's all turned out really well. So I'm going to drop as many FMs as possible in this episode, I think. Um, Life's Too Short to Go So Fucking Slow is, you know, it's a really beautiful book about a beautiful friendship. And your friendship with Carlos wasn't any, like, something that you could have predicted is what it seems. It's my dog barking in the background. You have such different personalities. He was your boss, and he became your best friend and training buddy. Can you talk about how he came into your life and how he inspired you to take up your fitness journey? We really were very different. When we met, I was 23 years old and in my first job as a college professor. And he was 42 years old and my boss. I mentioned that I was uh, you know, overweight, out of shape, a chain smoker, and he was a 13-time Ironman triathlete. So our approaches to life were very different. But one day, I was smoking a cigarette outside of my office, and he sat down next to me. And he asked me if he could have a drag of my cigarette, which completely shocked me, because I did not think that he was a smoker at all. So he takes the cigarette between his finger and he stubs it out in the ashtray. And he goes, you don't need that shit. Uh, that was the start of our friendship. I, I won't say that I became an Ironman triathlete overnight, but here was this person who seemed to be successful, who seemed to have his shit together. And I wanted so badly to have my shit together. So I started to I started to follow him. You know, I started to do the things that he would do, and one of those things was swimming laps in the campus pool, and then another another one of those things was running fighters. So so this was somebody I admired and I wanted to be like, and it was just kind of this natural evolution of our friendship. He never once said you have to do this or you're doing this the wrong way. He just said I'm doing this really cool thing if you want to join me. And, and so I think that probably one of the best parts of our friendship is that even though we were so, so, so different, it was just a natural organic fit. So in addition to pushing you into the realm of endurance sports, Carlos was also the one to confront you about your drinking issues. So what was it about his approach that spurred you to take action? And did that affect your friendship once the secret was out? 
Uh, one of the issues, the health issues that I had for several years uh, after meeting Carlos was uh, I, I was struggling badly with uh, alcohol and, and the fact that I couldn't stop drinking once I started. And this was something that wasn't so obvious. I did a lot of my drinking in secret. I did two Ironman tests on despite the fact that I was an alcoholic and I thought I was doing a really good job of, of keeping it secret. But uh, one day I, I discovered that eventually the truth comes out and Carlos was the person who discovered that truth. And what I'll never forget about that day is how disappointed he was in me. And I had let down that person I admired so much. And even though he was upset with me, he never gave up on me. And that was so profound to me, was that I could still make these mistakes and I still had this person who was unconditionally in my corner. And I had never really had that before. And that was a huge turning point for me in realizing that I don't have to uh, continue down this path. I don't have to continue to make these mistakes. I don't have to continue to keep these secrets. I can be honest. I can be open. I can ask for help and people won't give up on me. And that was so powerful. So I won't say that I quit drinking the day that he discovered that I had an alcohol problem, but he was the first person that I turned to when I did realize that I wanted to stop and that I wanted to get help. So just training for your first Ironman, what were your biggest challenges that you had to overcome? Probably the biggest challenge for me was not physical, but mental. I spent a lot of time training. I, I loved the miles. I did what I was supposed to do physically. But when it came time to actually do the race, I was convinced I didn't belong. I didn't look like an Iron Man. I didn't walk like an Iron Man. I didn't know what I was doing, to be honest. And, and so I remember the day before the race, looking at all these super fit people around me, just walking around with their muscles and their protein shake and thinking, I can't do that. You know, I, I'm not an Iron Man. And I texted Carlos and I said, I don't belong here. And he said, fake it till you make it. And on race morning, I remembered that. And, um, after my boyfriend literally pushed me into the water because I was so scared, I looked around and I thought, okay, well, maybe I don't look like I belong right now, but I will at the end of the day. And then the starting gun went off and I had no choice but to go out there and get after it. So overcoming that mental challenge was probably the hardest part. Speaking of Iron Man, after Carlos passed away, you wanted to memorialize him in a special way, and it kind of took a turn. Uh, would you share some of that story without, you know, obviously giving too much of your book away? When Carlos was in the final stages of his fight with cancer, we were talking about what he wanted done with his remains, whether he wanted to be buried, cremated, uh, all of that. And he thought that he wanted to be cremated and to have his ashes scattered at the site of his first Iron Man. And that was in Austria. And he suggested that I be the one that scattered his ashes at that Iron Man. I wasn't sure I wanted to do another race like that. 
but I agreed because, of course, I'm going to agree. I, I really had no other option, and he knew it. Um, it was sneaky of him. But I did. I flew to Austria, and I did that Ironman. I won't give away too much of what happened, but I will say this. It ends with me throwing a bike off a bridge. <laughs> That's awesome. So you have now completed a wide variety of races. What are some of the moments that stand out to you the most, aside from throwing a bike off a bridge? Actually, one of my favorites is doing that man with you. That was a really fun, really special experience um, because I think that may have been the first time that I had ever roped one of my friends into Ash Hattery, and that was Ash Hattery. That was a wild day out there. I remember you having a panic attack before the swim. I remember they ran out of water. They did. I remember that it was a technical trail run, which I had not been aware of until that day. And it was balls hot out there. It was so hot. It was insane. It was. (laughs) But it was cool. It was badass. I remember finishing, and I remember you finishing, and you were so thrilled to be done because you were tired, but also because you did this thing that you had never really considered doing before, and that was really cool to witness. So that's definitely one of my top memories. She also gave me a nice uh, smack on the ass at one of the aid stations where she saw me. I came more or less stumbling through. I'm pretty sure I flipped you off. I had to sit be. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I had some, some moments of unhappiness. <laughs> so you're a professor by trade, but you've really made a name for yourself in the world of fitness writing. So can even before your book, this was happening for you. So how did you get into that? I fell into writing completely by accident. Uh, a friend of mine asked me to let him know how my first marathon went. And I took him very literally. I sent him a, a very, very long race report after that first marathon. And he loved it. He wanted to publish it on his blog. So that blog was No Meat Athlete. And I did some writing for him because it, it was just a fun thing to do. Uh, that eventually turned into writing for Fit Bottom Girls. And down the line, I became a writer for Women's Running Magazine, a triathlete magazine, competitor writing. I, I really just kind of snowballed in this field completely by accident. If you had told me 10 years ago that I would be a fitness writer, I would have laughed in your face and probably coughed a couple times because I was smoking. But... Um, <laughs> It's been, it's been a really cool journey. It's been a really fun one. Um, and, and it's because of the opportunities that I've had of working with people like you, where I've just been given the platform to say, hey, you know, this is something cool that we're doing. This is something that everybody can be doing. It's not something that's for just the elite, super fat people. But, um, you know, we're having a really fun party over here. Why don't you come join us? So how is writing this book, how does it compare to all the other stuff you've done? I mean, it's, it's deeply personal. So was it, was it easier or harder to write because of that? In some ways it was easier because all I had to do was tell my story. 
in some ways it was harder because when you put something so personal out there, you open yourself up for criticism. And I was putting my best friend out there for criticism. And that was difficult because he's not here to defend himself. And so inviting this book because of the type of person Carlos was, uh, which was kind of an asshole sometimes. He was kind of a hard ass, and I was honest about that in this book. I was a little scared that people would take that the wrong way, that people would assume that he was not a good person, and he was. As the book progresses, you you discover that he actually was a wonderful person, one of the best, in my opinion. But there's always going to be people who will wonder, why did you take that? Or why did you make that decision? Or why did you say that? And that's scary. But I realized that the story of my friendship with Carlos was so profound and so life-changing that it would be selfish for me to keep it to myself. He taught me so much. And what I've learned since the book came out is that he's teaching other people so much too. And that has been so rewarding to know that even though he's no longer with us, uh, he has with that. And so in the end, it turned out wonderfully, but it was definitely a challenge to write. So what are some of the next fitness challenges you have your your eyes set on? I know that you are doing some really interesting things. I am. As a matter of fact, this weekend, I am doing a naked 5K at a nudist colony. Yes. Um, it's part of the work that I'm doing for my next book. Um, it's not just nudity, but that is going to factor nicely into it. But my next book is all about unique running challenges uh, around the world. And so uh, the last couple months, I have run to the top of the Empire State Building. I have run to the bottom of the Grand Canyon. I'm running naked this weekend. At the end of the month, I'm going to London where I'm doing a race where I chase a wheel of cheese down a hill. <laughs> uh, and I have always wanted to do that one. It's going to be amazing. Amazing. If you win, you get to keep the cheese. I mean, you're really? Win, obviously. So, so the next book is all about these unique running challenges because a lot of people, when they think about running, they think it's all this hardcore marathon and, um, you know, racing, and, and that doesn't have to be the case. Running is so fun, you guys, and I want to convey that to people who think that running is intimidating. It's not. It's amazing. So I, I'm doing a lot of very interesting, very fun Talented. For people that are looking into doing crazy stuff like Ironmans and endurance races and naked running or whatever, I mean, <laughs> some people would call them crazy, but what advice would you give them before they jump right in? Not take yourself so seriously. I think a lot of people assume that, you know, especially with Ironman triathlon, that it has to be something that's so serious that there's no room to have fun. And there's plenty 
of learning to have fun. I, I think that when we put so much of our self-worth into our hobby, our running, our triathlon, our, our exercise, it becomes a scary thing where we never die with our successes. And that's not the case. I've had horrible races. Uh, I, I've made a complete ass of myself multiple times. I, I have started races and I've had to quit those races. Um, and yet the world does not end. So you might as well just have a good time while you're doing it. So that's uh, the one thing that I always want to convey to people is go out there, have a blast. This is all supposed to be fun. You say you believe in the power of transformational stories. What story has transformed you? And has your story transformed anyone else that you know of? That's a really good question. Obviously, my story with Carlos is what transformed me. Uh, I, I obviously wrote a whole book about it. I think that there's a lot of stories like mine out there. I don't think I'm special or unique in any way. The cool thing about running and triathlon is that almost everybody has a transformation that takes place. You know, nobody starts out the athletic person, even people who have been athletes all of their lives, they still have days where they struggle. They still have days where they think they can't do this. They still have challenges where they look at it and they say, oh shit, what am I thinking? And then they overcome. And that's so cool. And, and so I don't think that my story is anything special. I think I'm incredibly lucky that I get paid to share it. But if you look around you at any race and you say, tell me your story, you will hear so many inspiring stories, uh, so many inspiring people. I don't know if my story has transformed anybody. Uh, that's the thing about writing, is you put your stuff out there and you don't necessarily know how people respond. I haven't gotten any hate mail, so that's good. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, I also haven't gotten anybody who said, you know, who said you changed my life. And I'm okay with that. I don't need to know that I changed your life. I just want you to change your life for the better. And I want you to help other people change theirs like Carlos did for me. All right, I'm going off script. Okay. All right. So the thing, yeah, we're we're going crazy, going rogue. So you talked about some of the, the racing moments that have been important to you and the story that's changed you and also about some of the interesting races that you have coming up and that you've done recently. So I'm wondering if there's anything out there that you've either tried or that you are still not sure you can do because at this point it sort of feels like you can do anything to me. You know that's the interesting thing is that even with all of these races I still panic before the start gun mm -hmm. goes off. I still freak out. I still wonder what I signed up for and am I stupid? What was I thinking? But I think we all do that. I think anybody who doesn't get nervous before the start of a race or before doing something incredible um, isn't pushing themselves. You know, if you're too comfortable, then you're too comfortable. 
So I like it when people go outside of the comfort zone. I like it when people do the things that scare them because the things that scare you are the things that change you. So please tell everybody where they can find you on the web and social media. I have a website. It's SusanLakey.com. Uh, that's L-A-C-K-E, Lakey. But if you want to tweet things at me, I would love that. So my Twitter handle is at SusanLakey. And uh, where can people buy your book? You can buy the book at bookstores, triathlon and running retailers, or online. All right, and that's at SusanLakey.com as well, right? And SusanLakey.com. You can get autographed copies there. When will the new book be out? Oh, the new book will be out next spring, so spring of 2019. So we have our last question. What was the last cool thing you read before you joined us for this interview? Right now, actually, I'm reading a very interesting book called Call Me When You Get Home. It's about the power of uh, women's friendships and how they've evolved over time to uh, serve as the connection between people in uh, a changing world, where before, you know, uh, a, a world and our relationships were centered around our marriages um, and now it's about female friendships it's about watching out for each other um taking care of each other and all of the unique environments that we find ourselves in we're not uh, necessarily getting married at 18 anymore so the female friendships that we do have very often become our most important ones and i think that's true it had been for me some of my girlfriends have been um my, my most important relationships in my life. And, and obviously, I think that uh, that's then with what you guys do at the Bottom Girls, you know, women supporting women. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, and so that's a great book. That's a, uh, one that I definitely recommend as a summer read. I got to check that out. So thank you so much for being on the show today. You're such a wonderful guest. Transformative. Transformative. Thank you. I'm I'm cavelling. (laughs) You guys don't know what that means. Hold on. (laughs) Love this show? Tell us why in a five-star review on iTunes, and we'll read it on the air. Also, make sure you are a subscriber. If you want to reach out to say hi or have a question about a recent episode, yay, well, feel free to email us at podcast at fitbottomgirls.com. And if this podcast jives perfectly with your brand, consider sponsoring the show. Get more info by emailing advertising at fitbottomgirls.com. Find all kinds of Fit Bottom goodness online and on social media at Fit Bottom Girls, Fit Bottom Mamas, Fit Bottom Eats, and Fit Bottom Zen. And if books and movies are your thing, check out the other podcast I co-host called Book vs. Movie, which you can find anywhere where you search for podcasts. Thanks for listening.